Everybody, welcome to the Untold Hour. It's Jess and Aristotle again today. I just got back, literally just got back from um, shooting UFOs Declassified live over at Discovery. Hopefully, you guys were able to check it out. We had Jeremy Corbell on there, which any of you old Bizarre States listeners will remember was one of our guests, um, along with Josh Gates, actually, which is how I, how I ended up getting my jobs over at Discovery. Uh, on the show, uh, on the UFOs Declassified live show. So it was kind of this weird, um, unique uh, UFO document release stuff, which was really cool in and of itself because we had other amazing guests like George Knapp, Tracy LaTourette, who is the fighter pilot that has a lot of experience uh, with with um, the snooze and, and, and many, many others. This great, great, science guy named Dr. O. I highly recommend you look him up. He was a blast to talk to. Anyway, hopefully you guys were able to see it live. If you didn't, it is available on Discovery Plus right now. Um, and uh, and yes, yeah, so you can catch it there too, uh, like a, a, a semi-streamlined version. I think they got they killed some of the, the slower, slower parts so you guys can get through it a little faster because it was a three-hour live show. Uh, I got to say, I was pretty... Pretty terrified for a good two to three days beforehand once I knew I had landed the the spot only because it's been so long since I've hosted anything live. You know, it used to be my bread and butter pretty much where I would go to these conventions uh, like San Diego Comic-Con or E3 reading off a prompter, which I used to do every single day when I was over at Nerdist and G4. And to not do that in a over a year... Uh, I got real nervous, but I think it came off really well. I think we did a great job. Love you guys to, to check it out if you haven't already. And uh, that is why I was not here last Tuesday. And believe it or not, you don't know this because you're just listening to this until I tell you this. Uh, we are actually pre-recording this now. Um, I'm actually recording this with Aristotle on, God, Aristotle, what day is it today? Friday? Okay. <laughs> Friday. <laughs> For this upcoming Tuesday, because I will be uh, out of town again. So my life is kind of falling apart. But in the meantime, yes. I, I, I promised you guys that I was going to bring you some content, uh, especially because I missed last week. I refused to go back on that promise because uh, that would have just been a, such a D move. And uh, with that being said, however, you know, Please take this current this current podcast episode with a slight grain of salt because I did have to co cobble this together quickly. Um, but I figured it would also give us the opportunity to touch base on some old uh, old offshoots that we haven't um, explored in a while, like Weird of the Week and listener stories. So that is what we're going to be doing today. I also want to um, toss in an update for what it, Crowbot's Backyard. Uh, we've got we got new movement in that sector. So I have figured out now for sure that what's going on in the backyard is I have made friends with a mama crow and the mama crow now has three juveniles with her, two of which are pretty self-sufficient, but one which is lagging behind. So she needs to consistently feed it, which is why she's coming to the backyard now because she knows we're safe because she knows we're safe. She's now bringing her babies with her. 
Whereas before she was leaving them behind and just carrying the food to them. Wait, was the um, mama the one that was coming the the whole time? Or is the the one that's now starting to come where one of the babies is the one that was coming all the time? The mama was coming the whole time. So the mama was coming and I originally thought that when she showed up with her buds that they were just friends. And I couldn't figure out why, the, why this one smaller bird was th pitching such a fit and th and like ganging up on mama a little bit when when they were with her and she was eating and i came to figure out actually through some people on twitter who checked out my video and informed me what was going on and i was like oh yeah that makes so much sense that actually that one that seemed to be picking on mom is actually just a baby who needs mom's help still to feed it. So that's why it's squawking and being super aggressive is it's not really being aggressive. It's like, mom, I need you to feed me. I'm hungry. Um, which really lines up with human babies as well. <laughs> like that is how they some behave sometimes. So, um, that all makes sense. It actually makes the story even sweeter in my opinion. And, uh, and now the babies are getting slightly com more comfortable with me where they won't fly out of the backyard right away. Um, I'm getting them used to the dogs being in the backyard. So, that's a step in the right direction. And it's gotten to the point, Aristotle, I don't know if you saw my Insta. It's gotten to the point where they're bringing me gifts. Whoa, I have not seen that update. I'm getting gifts. They have started, uh, the gifts are my own gifts in the sense that they're picking these things up out of my own backyard and giving them back to me. But whatever, I'll take what I can get. Never look a gift crow in the mouth. Um, it, they basically look through my pebbles. So we in our backyard, we have like a walkway that's kind of um, blocked out. And in between each of these cement blocks, there are like tiny pebble stones laid down there to create like a nice looking pathway. And they go through the stones and pick out the ones that they think are small and pretty and bring them to a specific spot on my deck. So every time I go out, I go to that spot, I check. Um, sometimes there's a lot, sometimes there's just a little bit. I don't know if that's a reflection upon how much or how little I have fed them that day and if they're pleased with me or not, but that is what's happening. And, uh, and yeah, guys, we're getting, we're getting there. Crowbot's wow. backyard. This that's has so been, cool. I know this has been, this has been a thing that I have tried to do for years now and it's finally coming to fruition. I finally found the one crow that's like, yeah, I'm into this. The interesting thing is there's uh, some really shitty birds in our front yard that for whatever reason feel that they need to dominate the entire space. So their crows are in constant battle with them. And we also have a hawk that, uh, I don't know if you guys remember or not, but a long time ago when Margot, my Frenchie, was very little, uh, a hawk tried to steal her out of the front yard. <laughs> I think I told you guys about that. I remember this story well. Yes. So that hawk and or its descendants continues to come back to the neighborhood. They have a nest in a tree behind my house uh, and my neighbor's house, the one directly behind me. And we're just part of their hunting area, their territory. And now the hawks and the crows have kind of started a fight. It's like a whole thing. It's like a whole like animal planet happening in my backyard. But I will let you know how, and I think one of the birds died. Like one of the shitty birds in the front yard that are really aggressive and trying to protect their space, I think rolled up on a crow or a hawk and got killed. So, cause I found a bunch of tiny feathers on my deck. 
<laughs> just that sounds like, like hawk <laughs> that sounds like hawk I, 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 yeah so yes it's wild kingdom in my backyard y'all but i'm making friends with one of them and i'm gonna or, or potentially three and i'm going to uh continue to give you updates if you are interested if you are actually legit interested uh i do post a lot of videos about them and like how our relationship is going uh, on my instagram so go ahead and check instagram stories you'll see all all the stuff that i'm talking about on there Anyway, so that's the the Crowbot Backyard update. Let's move into a Weird of the Week. Weird of the Week. I've got two really good stories here. The first one, and I feel like this could be a reality, if not for myself, then somebody else out there that's listening. Uh, the ruins of a haunted village in Scotland can be yours for the low price of $173,000, which I know is a lot of money. I'm not saying it's not. But for land and ruins and hauntings in Scotland, I feel like this is relatively affordable. So the, how, how much was it? $173,000. Like that's less than a house here in, like a lot less than a house yeah. here in LA. Like a lot less. That so, almost feels like you're buying a landmark. Uh, yeah, right. And it, and not only that, it comes with aside from a potential ghost and the ruins of whatever is there, which we'll get into in a little in a little bit. It comes with a beach, and it has a lock lake access in the sense that you can fish there if you want to fish. Fuck. Like you got it. It comes with the permit permits, and you can also own a boat. So it's kind of amazing deal. Like I am not lying when I'm saying. I am seriously considering this. Like, I'm legit seriously considering this, you guys. So anyway, so uh, yes, the ruins of a haunted village in Scotland can be yours for the low, low price of $173,000. The old village of, oh, you know, actually, let me preface this too before we get into this with, it is Scotland. I am unfamiliar with Scotland, and I hope I don't butcher any of these names. If I do, apologies. So the old village of Lowers, Lowers, L-A-W-E-R-S, we'll call it Lowers for right now, is located off of Loch Tay in the central highlands of Scotland, included in the purchase price, which we just talked about, is a beachfront property, three acres of land, these ruins that I believe are on there, as well as a fishing permit and boat permit. Uh, the ruins located there include the House of Lowers, which was home to Lady Lowers, who lived there in the late 1600s and was its last occupant of the house. Like, there were other people living in the village. She just lived, let's just call it the, like, um, the, like, grand house, right? Lady Lowers is known for her incredibly accurate prophecies, uh, such as her idea of fire coaches crossing through Drumachter Pass, which many later interpreted as a prediction of a future railroad, which then ran through that area. Another strange prediction that is like half accurate is that of a ship driven by smoke will sink in Loch Tay with great loss of life. Uh, that being said, this is why it's half accurate. No disaster was ever actually recorded within that area that included a, a sinking ship. But it did hint that Lady Lowers may have predicted steamships before they were ever conceived of and built. As for the haunting supposedly in the area, many um, say that the ghost is that of a woman, which folks assume to be that of Lady Lowers herself. And then in addition to the ruins of the Great House, there are also the ruins of a kiln and a former mill. 
A census that they found back in 1841 stated that around 17 people lived in the village at that time. And then by 1891, there was only seven people left, all of them living in like a fisherman's quarters, the same house. And then it was fully abandoned completely by 1926. So if you're interested in purchasing this and want to beat me to the punch, just do a Google search for a haunted island in Scotland for sale. And, uh, and it'll tell you like who you need to contact and, and what you need to do. So I am. I am. Damn. Right. Fuck, That's man. incredible. <laughs> I want it so bad. Like, listen, I get it. Like, I'm not going to buy anything sight unseen unless I'm a billionaire. But I would be so into this. So into this. Uh, next one up. This actually came from Twitter uh, follower Quilet. C. Oh, I'm sorry. C. Q. U. O. Y. L. E. T. T. E. Uh, she sent this our way. Judge orders release of Wisconsin woman in Slender Man case. So this is an update for those of you that are familiar with the Slender Man case, which to me actually reminds me of this amazing movie by Peter Jackson called. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking. Called I, Heavenly I was, Creatures. There, I was thinking a different one. I'm glad I didn't say it. <laughs> oh well, which one were you thinking of? Because because this kind of jam is is a, a similar premise. Now I feel like in a lot of horror movies. I. I forgot that he did. Um, I forgot that he did. I I only remember Lord of the Rings and I think Dead Ringers was his first movies or whatever oh. the first one was. That's like a horror movie. Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that this one definitely put him on was one of the ones that put him on the map. And I'm not sure if it's Kate Winslet's first movie or at least just the one that like kind of blew her up a little bit. Uh, uh, a pre Titanic. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is, it's a very good movie. It's, it's, it has, it's not the exact same story, obviously, but it has a very similar tone. Anyway, for those unfamiliar with the Slender Man case, well, here, I'll just read the whole thing as I have it. Uh, Anissa Wire, 19 years old currently, was sentenced to 25 years at the Winnebago Mental Health Institute on December 20th, 17. She recently argued a petition for a conditional release to a judge that she's no longer a threat to anyone and she has exhausted that mental institution's ability to treat her. Um, after her petition, the judge actually did grant her release. Now, the Slenderman case occurred back in 2014 when Anissa and a fellow classmate, Morgan Geyser, stabbed and attempted to murder a f their friend and fellow classmate, Peyton Lautner, after luring her out into the woods. They stabbed her 19 times. She actually was able to survive that stabbing and crawl to safety. She barely made it, but she did make it. Um, all uh, uh, They did this. When questioned, they said they did this because they wanted to make an offering to Slender Man and also to divert him from killing their own families by uh, this offering. Uh, all three girls were 12 years old at the time. Uh, the conditions of Anissa's release are... That uh, Waukesha County Judge Michael Boren gave state officials 60 days to draw up a conditional release plan and then sent Wire back to the mental hospital pending another hearing on September 10th. So she's still waiting to find out what her actual conditions of release will be. Uh, in addition to the conditions of release, she will be assigned State Department of Health Services case managers to make sure that they track her progress all the way up until she's 37 years old. Uh, the length of her commitment to make sure that, you know, she's doesn't backslide and is not considered a um, 
A threat to society. Obviously, the prosecutors did try to say that she was going to be an ongoing threat. The judge felt that they did not do a good enough job of proving that, and so this is currently how things stand. I don't know if um, any additional details will come out after her September 10th hearing, but I'll keep an eye out as best I can, uh, even though I should... Oh, no, I'll be back from the second round, I think, on the road then. So, yeah, we, we'll, we might give you guys an update on this. Um... I also highly recommend there is an actual documentary made about this case, I believe called Slender Man on HBO. Let me check here. Sorry, I should have thought of this ahead of time, but I forgot about it while I was writing up these notes and it just occurred to me now that I watched this. Yeah, an HBO documentary that came out in 2016 called Beware the Slender Man. It actually does a very good job kind of breaking down what the girls were thinking about at the time, who was kind of the main perpetrator that's not to excuse anybody's involvement but definitely there were some there was some um some manipulation being being occurring uh amongst these girls so definitely worth checking out i highly recommend you watch it and uh we will keep you updated on that also so just just to yeah. to because i know it would drive Bowser nuts. I looked it up and Dead Ringers is a David Cronenberg movie. I messed it up. I forgot. Oh. I don't know what movie I'm, I was thinking of. I love that the threat of Bowser being like freaked out about movies is is, is affecting you. Yeah, because I was like, that 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 would have come up. Yeah, he would have known. Yeah. Like he would and been like, no, Aristotle. Well, I forgive you. I think that's perfectly fine. <laughs> All right, so guys, we're going to cover listener stories here really quick. Obviously, um, we haven't done these in a long time, but they are kind of saving my butt today uh, since we didn't have a ton of content ready for you. And I feel like we've got a little bit of a backlog. I am going to go and pull, I did pull listener stories out of both the Discord chat as well as uh, people who have been sending in emails. Uh, I remember, I think last, the the previous full episode we had on this podcast, the first one where I was back, I mentioned that I'd locked myself out of my socials. I'm actually back in. So, and as well as my emails for untold hours. So if you want to send in your listener stories, uh, by all means, feel free to do so at any of those platforms. We will be able to access them and read them. And with that being said, this uh, is from Amanda. Hey, Justin Bowser and congrats Bowser for the Onyx movie fundraiser. I'm Amanda. You can use my name. I came from a very Catholic and superstitious Brazilian family, and although that didn't really rub off on me, I grew up listening to a bunch of creepy stories from my relatives, and one of my favorites is the one about a cursed house that my dad used to live in when he was a kid in the 80s. The story, as my grandma told me, is that in 1980 or 1981, she, my grandpa, and their three kids moved into a two-story house in the outskirts of uh, Brasilia, the capital. I think I pronounced that correctly. Hopefully I did. Fingers crossed. Uh, the city itself was founded only in 1960, so pretty much every building was still very new. So they all got settled and everything was fine for about a week. And then the creepy stuff started. She says there were all kinds of weird noises at night. Not only your usual steps and the creaking of wood, but some more specific ones, such as the sound of a ping pong ball rolling and bouncing. And then one day the kids were playing in a room and my grandma was brushing my aunt's hair, who was about three at that time, when she saw through the mirror a dark figure standing behind them. 
Everybody saw the thing and immediately ran out of the room. That was when my grandma decided that they should do something about it, so they got a priest to bless the house. That would work for maybe about a week, but then the noises would return and they'd call the priest again, and that kind of became a routine in order to live there. While the whole priest thing was going on, they were also trying to contact the people who sold them the house to see if they could find out something about it that would explain what was happening. And after some major digging, they discovered that it was built by this old man who had some bad financial troubles. He ended up losing the house. My grandmother can't remember if it was to a bank or to a loan shark. So on his way out, he cursed it. In a rough translation of my grandma's words, he said that no one who lived there would ever find peace. After finding that out, they just gave up and fucked off from there as soon as possible. Ha ha. <laughs> That's the best line. The house is still standing to this day, but we don't know anything about who lived there afterwards. Uh, I'm assuming she means after they moved out. Or anything. We just drove past it a couple of years ago. Anyway, that's it. Wish I knew more details about the curse itself, but I hope you enjoyed it. I've been a huge fan since the spooky shit days, but was never confident enough in my English skills to write before. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. Uh, first of all, your English is perfect. This is one of the better letters that I've ever received <laughs> as far as ease of being able to read it and not have to try and decipher uh, the, the proper pronunci uh, pronunciation and punctuation. This was great. Um, and sometimes, honestly, simple is best. This is just like a really nice, suspect, possibly haunted, creepy house. I, I like it. I think it's good. All right. So that was here's uh, some stories from Discord. So all you Discord fans, this one came from Fueled by Boredom. Years ago, my grandpa, my grandparents bought an old farmhouse that was originally built back in 1910 or so with the idea of fixing it up and building some new additions onto it. My dad would go out there on the weekends and help out and me being seven at the time and wanting to do everything my dad did, I went along to help. Uh, me helping mostly consisted of bringing them water or whatever else that they needed that I could lug around. Shortly after they finished the second story edition of the house and were working on the interior, my grandfather said he wanted to take a break for a bit and nap. So he lays down and about an hour later, my dad goes to wake him up to find out that he's passed away in his sleep. A few months after the funeral, my dad decided to go finish up some of the work that still needed to be done up there and I tag along. We walk up the stairs and into the room that still needs some insulation work done when he stops and says we should go back downstairs. I looked over, and plain as day, you could see my grandfather hammering away at the wall in that area. We both backed out of the room, and he never acknowledged us. Years later, when I, went in, when I was in my teens, my grandmother would tell me stories that she could hear nails being hammered, footsteps, the sounds of things being moved around, and saws running and saws coming from upstairs. I think she means the saw, the sound of, I think they mean like the sound of um, electrical saws, uh, that like high pitched whirring sound coming from the upstairs. I never told her about what my dad and I saw, but she would always say that it was my grandfather finishing things. Even after she passed and we went to the house to clean it up and get it ready to sell, there were definite cold spots up there and you could hear hammering and stuff coming coming from that area it was creepy but also kind of sweet and see that's the thing i think that last sentence there that it's creepy but kind of sweet is like the real kicker with a lot of these ghost uh stories and shows including the one that i work on is that you are creeped out it is scary because it's not something you're used to or expect 
But at the end of the day, for the most part, it's just people. And so I always try to keep in mind while I'm uh, now currently exploring these things on the road on my own, but also, you know, when I hear or watch other people's shows or hear other people's stories, you know, I'm always, I'm, I'm always a little, um, I, I, it just, it like with the exceptions of the ones that are obviously really creating havoc in those people's lives. And it seems like whatever it is that's in the house is aggressive and not happy with them. I understand the fear, but part of me also is like, well, it's just people. Could you live, you know, and they're not really taking up any space. <laughs> Could you learn to live with them? Like, don't kick them out of their house or their hotel room or whatever it is that they choose to haunt. Anyway, that's just, I don't know. I also think it's kind of sweet, and especially this story where the grandfather wants to come back and help finish what he started. I like that. All right, so the next up we have is from Biomutant. Uh, this, I think, is less of a story, but more of a heads up on a really creepy location that you guys might be interested in. It says, the Reed, Hotel, the Reed House Hotel in Chattanooga, Tennessee, has one of the most haunted rooms in the United States. It's room 311, which is an appropriately creepy $666 to rent for those who want the thrill or just get a guided <laughs> tour of the room. Uh, that seems very expensive still for yeah. like an overnight stay. Even if you do want to just get haunted, I feel like this room better be a sweet. Uh, someone was beheaded in the bathtub years ago and even Al Capone stayed in the hotel during his trial for tax evasion. Countless people have tried to stay in the room for one night and ended up running back to their cars and leaving all their stuff behind in the room. One person ran out of their room naked and refused to return. I like that that's even more important than leaving your stuff behind. Like, whoa, they were so scared that they left totally butt naked and they were not going back. Here's another question. Aristotle, this I'm directing this to you. Because yes. I've heard both. And I and I I accidentally switched between the two, I think, uh unconsciously. Is it buck naked or butt naked? And if it is buck naked, why buck? I've also heard both. I don't know the buck, but I I always just thought butt naked. That's the that makes that just makes sense. Like right? butt naked but, makes sense because you they're naked, so you see their butt. Yeah, so you're like, okay, also, butt naked. But yeah. I've heard buck naked. Buck naked. I don't know about buck, but butt makes sense because you can be naked and be in your underwear. But if you're butt naked, everybody knows what you're talking about. I'm looking this up really quick because this is bothering me now. Okay, first thing that pops up, Merriam-Webster. So this is a legit site, guys. It says buck naked versus butt naked, which is right. Let's click on it real quick. <laughs> Listen, we're taking a tangent. We'll get back to it. I promise. All right. I'm just going to read this article because I was not expecting to go down this road. <laughs> It says, while both, it says, what to know, while both buck naked and butt naked are used to describe somebody who is fully nude, buck naked is the older of the pair of terms. Butt naked is newer and likely sees use because of butt having a long history of referring to a person's butt, buttocks. Buttocks is such a funny word. Let me see. Origin of buck naked versus butt naked. Looking into the origin of which word to put before naked and you'll find more schools of thought than you would at a jo okay yeah 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 what's the what's the point though let me, see, let me skim this okay <laughs> who knew some there think, was a... <laughs> right some think that the original was butt based on that word having been re used to refer to a person's buttocks since the 17th century and that buck was a euphemism 
Others feel that buck refers to buckskin, the skin of a male deer, an animal often found in a nude state. Well, aren't all animals nude? (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute, what? We define both buck naked and butt naked as completely naked. Okay, so I guess they're both right. Butt naked is considerably newer. Our earliest evidence of it is from the late 1960s. And the word did not gain much use until the 1970s. Okay. Interesting. I, I had still, no clue. I still like butt. Buck still, even after that, I was like, butt doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, butt makes more sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. But I had heard both, which was why I was totally confused. Okay. Anyway, let's go back to our main story here, which I believe was from uh, the Reed House this- Hotel. Uh, One person ran out of the room naked and refused to return. My own brother worked there when he was 18, and he won't even speak of the hauntings there still to this day. That that was the end. That's a good story. All right. I want to check this place out, although I do find $666 for an overnight stay to be way too much. Oh, yeah. That's a lot. It better. I mean, that's a lot. I better be running out of there. (laughs) Yeah. Or yeah. Or yeah, I don't know. I just expect a lot from a room that's that much. All right, at Leaf Beowulf says, I saw a creature when I was 12 years old. It had a torso, heads, and arms of a human woman with large, dark, frizzy hair, gigantic bat wings with no legs or pelvic region, just entrails that flapped in the wind where its navel would be as it flew about 150 feet in the air around 9.30 p.m. at night while I was walking through a dark, unpopulated scrubland in the Philippines. Jesus. Us. That sounds awful. This is the type of thing no one can believe unless you see it for yourself with your own eyes. It's just a simple fact. And I know this. I know I'm never going to convert anyone to the fact that things like this are out there that exist. And I have accepted that this experience will forever be mine and mine alone and has largely sh- largely shaped my view of the world. And I thought I'd share it with you uh something it's been something that i've been carrying with me all of my life do with it what you will well i have decided to read about it on this podcast so now it's out there i am not familiar with many of the cryptids that are said to inhabit potentially the philippines and or any of the uh mythologies or urban myths that are out there i'd be curious to find out if this tracks with something that's that others have seen in the area or is something that is associated to the culture there. I'll do a little bit more research and maybe come back with that. But that's uh, that's very interesting. I mean, that is a very aggressively descriptive monster. So uh, first thing I thought of was a f- the Furies, kind of the concept of the Furies where they're, um, I think uh, they're like, like, or harpies is also like often what they're described as where it's like the body of like an eagle and like sharp talons and the a head of a woman or something like that and uh or vultures sometimes they have vulture bodies and they have you know but like a bird a large bird and they're supposed to be very aggressive and very uh uh like brutal you don't ever want them to be called upon you uh so but that's i think roman and greek mythology i don't know so, why this made me think this but i, f- I feel like at this point we need and should have by now uh, an Avenger, an Avengers-style cryptid movie that's like, oh shit! All the cryptids from across the globe joining up to destroy humanity or do whatever it is that they do, just to get all of them in one place. Because I feel like there's yeah. a bunch of movies where, like, you vaguely see one, 
But I'm like, no, we I want to see all of them. I mean, that would also be a really cool uh, comic or cartoon for something like Adult Swim, right? Like oh, I could yeah. see I could see some indie cartoon artists coming up with something like that and having it run on Adult Swim like late at night. That'd be kind of neat. Because I'm also thinking uh, like spoiler at the end of uh, Cabin in the Woods. Mm -hmm. Like when all the boxes open up, something like that. But like, oh, shit, there's the Mothman. Oh, shit. there's (laughs) Mothman, my fuzzy boy. I love him. All right. Vexel Ghost says, hi, everyone. First time posting here. So I wonder what your thoughts are on this occurrence. This happened about a year or two ago when I was troubleshooting my mom's PC. She was out running an errand and I was alone. I heard the front door open and a voice calls out, hello? Thinking it's my mom, I call back, hey, you're back early. No answer. I get up, I check the front entrance, I'm still alone. The front door is locked, but the air smells like rotten eggs. I think it might be a gas leak. I check the entire house, the detectors, and there's nothing. Only the entrance smells funny. Ten minutes later, my mom returns home, comments on the odd odor, but nothing else occurs or indicates... Uh, any toxic danger really hope it wasn't some sort of passerby from another dimension i mean that's kind of what it sounds like yeah it's especially if the door was locked and it's a and it's a sulfur smell Mm -hmm. that's just odd yeah yeah i i I would be curious (laughs) to find out if anybody is familiar familiar with what something is that could have in whatever potentially visited this house, I would like to actually hear about what you think it would be. Um, so write into us if you feel like it or put it on Discord. All right, so this is from Carrie at Discord. It is, I'm going to give you guys a trigger warning. I mean, honestly, our podcast across the board should always have a trigger warning just automatically at the top. But this in particular is in regards to suicide and hanging. So a few years ago, I had a random dream. Now, this dream was unusual as it was so vivid, I could hear, feel, and smell everything there. I was in the back of a barn or a shed. It was unfamiliar to me. And right in front of the door, there was a man pacing back and forth. He seemed troubled. In the blink of an eye, the man was hanging in the doorway. It was so sudden that I didn't really know how to process it. And then all of a sudden, I could feel a tightness around my neck and woke up immediately. The next morning, my throat was actually so raw that I went to go get tested for strep throat. I eventually forgot about the dream and just chucked it up to stress or something I had seen on TV. That summer, we went to a family reunion on the Mexican border and I found out about my great-grandfather. My grandmother's father was someone that was never talked about in our family. I know my Nana was very close to him and that he had died young, but that was all I knew. No one mentioned him as it would make her and her sisters sad. During this family reunion, someone mentioned how cool it would have been for him to see his family now, and that's when I first heard the story. My grandma and her sisters grew up on a small family ranch in Mexico. Her father would spend all of his days working on the ranch or in town selling his animals, so he wasn't home much, and her mother was very abusive to all of her children and would leave them for days at at a time with no food. When my grandma and her sisters were of age, they all married and immigrated to the U.S. to get away from their mother. Once my great-grandfather was alone with his wife, he realized how bad it was. His children were gone, and so he didn't have as much help on the ranch, and it started to get to be too much. He eventually went to the barn and ended his life. 
I believe that he was the man in the dream and what he was trying to tell me, I still don't know. And I don't know why he came to me of all people, but it still gives me chills. Oh, kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. A good ghost story, but very heartbreaking. All right. So this is our last one from listener stories. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty big three-parter. So, um, let me, uh, see what I can do here. Okay. So this came from Amy face. She says, hi, I'm Amy from Vermont. I lived in new England. Most of my life. Adulthood has taken me to New York, San Diego, Tokyo, etc." Oh, Tokyo. Oh, <laughs> Amy, why are you doing that to me? I want to go so bad. I am, I am literally, you guys, uh, I'm struggling with with that um anyway it's not about me it's about amy let's start over hey i'm amy from vermont i lived in new england most of my life adulthood has taken me to new york san diego tokyo etc but coming back to vermont in my 30s there's just a very specific kind of spooky here gorgeous as it is having visited vermont for the first time uh this is a personal just talking story uh this past year for the show i cannot agree more with what amy is saying it is gorgeous. Vermont is stunning, you guys, but it is so Stephen Kingy that it is just, there's creepiness just in the air. Personally, I friggin' love it. But uh, but yeah, she's absolutely correct. All right, back to her story. I grew up in New Hampshire until I was 10, and my five siblings and I all agree that the 200-year-old farmhouse we lived in was haunted AF. I believe you can still look it up as it was once called Putnam House. It was and is a three-story yellow house in the middle of cornfields to three sides and then thick woods to the east. My siblings and I were all homeschooled at the time and so we had ample times to explore those fields, woods, ponds, and imagine mysteries. And we certainly made up plenty of stories about the area, but there are incidences that we all remember vividly and still bring up when we're together that absolutely happened. Now, the house had a scary old root cellar with a dirt floor and a gabled, uninsulated attic, both used pretty much just for storage. The attic was not easy to get to, and that is an important detail. The ceilings in this house were very high. The trap door into the attic, I'm assuming is what she's talking about, was very small, and there was no kind of pull-down ladder to get up there. You actually had to go out to the garage and get a ladder and haul it upstairs. Oh, that is a pain in the ass. We only really went up there in the spring and fall to swap out six kids worth of seasonal clothing. One night in the summer when I was around seven or eight, my sister and I woke up at the exact same time to a thumping noise on the ceiling. We shared a bedroom and the attic was right above us. We looked at each other and then up again. It was clearly a heavy footstep. We knew what raccoons and mice sounded like, unfortunately. Our dad was in the National Guard at the time, so he wore army boots every day to work. Dad must have had to check something up there, my older sister whispered. Both of us did that kid thing of, yeah, of course, this is a comforting answer, and we went back to sleep. Even though it was 2 a.m., and all of the ruckus of getting into the attic would have woken us up way before then. The next morning, however, I did ask my mom, why was Dad in the attic last night? She was confused and said no one was in the attic last night, and our brother checked the garage for the ladder, and it was still jammed behind stuff from the last time it had been used. Now, my first thought as a kid then was that we had an intruder who had climbed up the trees outside of the house and somehow had gotten inside the attic. I didn't think anything supernatural until a couple of days later when I started hearing whispering constantly in my ear. It was like a collection of voices all whispering at once, just quiet and discordant enough that I couldn't really make out any individual words. 
Even at that age, I knew telling adults that you're hearing voices didn't generally go well. I remember thinking that, oh no, my imagination got the best of me like adults always say will happen. But it just wouldn't stop, and the only thing my family noticed was that I kept trying my hardest to be alone. I'd hole up in my room while my sister was doing schoolwork and crank her radio to try and drown it out. Finally, after three days of this, even hearing it in my dreams, I was cross-legged on my bedroom floor playing with one of those magnetic fishing games when the whispering seemed to get especially loud. I snapped, turned, and scolded over my shoulder, please stop, I can't even understand you. And it stopped. There are more stories too, but this is one of the earliest and clearest that I can remember. I'll definitely share more. Um, oh, perfect. I thought it was longer than that, but that actually worked out great. Uh, and I definitely want to hear more stories about this haunted place. I'm going to check out Putnam House right after this just to I, see what it looks like. I looked it up and that's where I was like, wait, was there more details? Because uh, there's a there's a, f a few, I think, or there's different houses that look similar or it's gone through a lot of changes. Also, I mean, maybe it's, it's just me. historic. But uh, the first oh, yeah. thing that came up, like that autofilled, was uh, Putnam House Pizza. <laughs> oh, mine. When I searched it in Google, the first thing that pops up is Amelia Earhart's house. That too, yeah. Or ooh, which I did not know was in Toluca Lake. That's oh, like wow. right by. Yeah, I, I should do a drive by and check it out. Wow, I had no idea. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, if nothing else. See, but here's the thing. Here's the thing that's weird in my life. I remember back in our Bizarre States days, Bowser and I would always laugh about god coincidences because that's what I think his like religious buddies from back home would call coincidences. Yeah, I, I personally still think don't. About that. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it's a good funny tagline. I, but I just, I feel like I've had. Oh gosh, it's just so weird. I feel like this stuff happens to me all the time. And I don't think that they're God coincidences because I don't think they're coincidences. I think that it's all planned. Like the way that my life has turned out, I guess the way I want to describe it is like back when I was little and like little, let's say fifth, sixth grade is when I got really into like witchcraft, ghosts, uh, UFOs, all that stuff, video games. Like that was when all of my interests and hobbies really cemented into kind of what I'm still into to this day. And uh, my parents never really blocked me on any of it, but especially with the witches and stuff like that, they weren't exactly thrilled that I was into it either, you know? And then I... and. The fact that then as a teenager, I was still into that stuff and I was like a super, super goth kid and all that stuff. So I had all the goth accoutrement. I basically looked like Death from the Sandman series was my <laughs> aesthetic at the time, like which it seems passe these days. But at that time was like a big deal. So, you know, and I remember I remember doing all the things you're supposed to do in life, like going to college, studying, uh, getting good grades in school, doing, you know, coming home when you're supposed to. Like I followed the rules of society as a child, as you are expected to, in order to be a generically standard success, right? Like these are the things you're supposed to do in order to get, to, to, to live a supposedly comfortable life. And I, uh, and I was told like all of my hobbies like were weird and weren't gonna get me anywhere and yada, yada, yada. And now 
I find that as I have gotten older, obviously, if you are familiar with my career, all of that stuff like linked together and became who I am as an adult and what I do now. Like when I was doing the gaming stuff primarily, I never, ever, ever thought I would ever be able to be anything in within the paranormal Hollywood scene ever. And even with Bizarre States, Aristotle, you know, like we did that just because we had an itch we wanted to scratch because nobody ever took it seriously. I was just literally, quote unquote, seen as the chick who does video game stuff or nerd culture at that point. And so I just feel like these coincidences aren't coincidences. They're like almost fate or planned or maybe, or I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a bit of the buzzword, but manifested. Possibly manifested. I mean, I find that things really do truly happen. Now, that's not to say that, hey, just because you light a candle, and I'm, I'm speaking in generals here, but just because you light a candle and you make a wish to yourself that it's going to automatically come true. Work goes into this stuff. Like manifesting is great in the sense that I feel like it puts you on the right mental path to do the work to lead you to where you want to go. But the work has to happen. Like, and by work, I mean actual work. Like you got to go out there and make the connections. You got to go out there and like roll the dice on, well, I'll try this audition. Um, so it's not to say that manifestation or coincidences is an automatic given, or does it mean that it is an easy way to get what you want? But I definitely think it's very, like at this point, it's very odd at how these things have started to line up to the point where I, I, it's not only myself that's noticing it, friends of mine who are familiar with what I do for fun and for work are also like, this seems weird. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. So when we have crossovers like this, I I have to now, I, I notice this stuff so much more that, that these coincidences seem to occur, but that they're not coincidences. And it's starting to legit kind of scare me, you guys. Because today when I was getting ready, and I do this every morning, I uh, listen to NPR. And they have this segment on there where they kind of like this day in history. So they tell you the important things that happened this day throughout a variety of decades in history. And for July 2nd, which is when we're recording this, the important event is that Amelia Earhart disappeared. Like today's the day. It, it randomly popped up on NPR, and then we, here we are, sitting down, having these conversations, doing listener stories, which we haven't done in forever. I happen to hear about Putnam House. We want to check it out more, and the first thing that crops up when you search for it is Amelia Earhart's house, who is literally like a stone's throw away from my town which I never knew about until just now. And it's just like, wow, like it's so minor. It's so, it's such not a, like a, like a big deal, but I guarantee that if I follow up on this, like if I go to her house or whatever, or the, other stuff's going to start happening down that road. I mean, I'm starting to feel like the Loki show in the TVA <laughs> where it's like, I'm in this weird offshoot timeline. It's just fucking creepy. And it's happening so much 
to me and my friends now. And I don't know if it's just because I'm hypersensitive or what, but it is starting to creep me the fuck out. I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel like these things happen way too often. Way too often. Anyway. Yeah. So I'll, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go to Amelia's Earhart's house, which is how I found out about this in the first place via the Putnam story. And uh, we're going and I'll let you know if anything else lines up with like something that happens while I'm there. <laughs> awesome. Like, what the heck? What the heck? Uh. Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> so weird. All right, guys, that's it for the Untold Hour. Thank you for so much for joining me. I'm glad, uh, even though that this was a relatively short version, that I was able to uh, get it out there for you guys as I had promised. Uh, please send me your listener stories. You can send it to our email, which you can also find on our Instagram links, or you can send it through my personal Discord if you are a member there. If not, feel free to search for me and join. Uh, just make sure it's me and not some weird, creepy offshoot because we've got a few of those out there now too. Uh, and, uh, yeah, hopefully I will hear from you guys soon. Uh, this has been Jessica Chobot and Aristotle, uh, and you have been listening to the untold hour. Bye. Bye. Untoldians. That is it for this episode of the untold hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bizarre. If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to theuntoldhourpod at gmail.com. Come join the Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group. And you can follow us on our socials, Instagram at the Untold Hour and at Untold Hour Pod on Twitter. Starbanks Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.